Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I uh, am doing a series in Hebrews, but God laid it in my heart to bring this uh, to our attention this morning, and I'm going to talk about the benefits of salvation in Christ, amen, and the benefits of salvation in Jesus Christ, and we do have some wonderful benefits in Christ Jesus, amen, and so I want to encourage you this morning, and we want to talk about these benefits of righteousness that God has given unto us, and so would you stand and honor the reading of the Word of God this morning if you're capable? I want to read verses 1 through 5, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Let's I want to talk about knowing Christ and knowing Jesus Christ. It comes with benefits. And when we start talking about knowing Christ, we're not talking about just the head knowledge about Jesus Christ. We're talking about the subject of really having a relationship with Jesus Christ. To go to heaven, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot get into heaven apart from having that relationship with Christ. And that relationship is established when you trust him as Lord and Savior. Uh, that comes at a time in many people's lives at different times. I've seen youth get saved. I've seen elderly get saved. I've seen those in their middle years get saved. But they all get saved the same way. They get saved through Jesus Christ. And so as we talk about this this morning, to receive the benefits of righteousness, you've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot receive the benefits from God, from the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't really benefit from it the way that a saved person does. You say, well, the earth's been set in motion and things are on their way and, uh, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. I understand all of that. But the benefits that we receive as a saved individual, an unsaved person does not benefit from that. We have a relationship where we can go to our God and we can pray to our God and God heareth our prayers. The prayer that he can hear from an unsaved man is, Lord, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sin. I do not believe the unsaved are getting their prayers answered. I believe the saved get their prayers answered. The unsaved, the only prayer that they can pray is that of Jesus Christ. I believe that I'm a sinner and I want to trust you. This is not about head knowledge. It's about a heart knowledge. It's about changing from the inside out. All of us are going to uh, have an appointed day. And there's an appointed day for everyone sitting in this auditorium. And that appointed day will come. And God is in control of that appointed day. That appointed day is found in Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. It's appointed unto men once to die. We all are going to meet that one day, every one of us. And we will meet in one way or another with Jesus Christ. You will meet with him in salvation or you will meet with him in condemnation. So there's one of two ways you're going to meet Jesus Christ. But every knee shall bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now I share with you that you will meet Christ in one of two ways, in salvation or condemnation. Being saved gives us benefits. He tells us at this appointed uh, unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Two major judgments that take place in the scriptures. And we have the Bema Seat of Christ, we have a place where the saved will stand before God and will give an account what we've done with this great salvation God hath given unto us. Our salvation is not in question, but what we did with our salvation will either be wood, hay, and stubble or precious gold, silver, and stone. And so those things which we did will uh, be tried by fire. And those that survive, we will be given crowns to lay at the Savior's feet. It's not for our glory, but for the glory of our Savior. But there is a second judgment in the Bible. And that second judgment that God speaks of is a place where the unsaved will stand before God one day. And they will try to give an account of all their works or what they have done to try to benefit them to get into heaven. It's called the great white throne judgment. Now, you've heard the statement said many a times, and this is where I want to challenge you this morning. If you're only born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to physically die, and then 
death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. There is a second death. But if you are born again, you will only die once. You will die a physical death and be resurrected in heaven. Amen? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to challenge you this morning because he says, It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We will appear before Christ. Listen, what Jesus Christ died for is that nature. What we are, not the things we do. So often we're pushing people to get saved and say, you need to stop doing this and stop doing that and stop. Listen, Christ died for our sins. Amen? Amen. He died once for all. Now, the Holy Spirit will convict the heart that is saved. Amen? Amen? He'll do that work and he'll begin to reveal to you things that are present in your life that need to be absent. Things that are absent in your life that need to be present. And by the way, I believe in the great power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? He is capable of doing things in us. Why? Because that's what God gave to us. He gave us the Holy Spirit of God. We can now open the scriptures and, and the Holy Spirit will enlighten that soul as you open the scriptures, as you read the Bible. It is the Word of God. And God uses the Holy Spirit in our lives. And by the way, when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? The Holy Spirit enters into you. And so when the Holy Spirit is now in you, the Bible teaches us that he teaches us. He illuminates our mind. And how does he do it? Through the scriptures. What is the testimony of the, of the uh, Holy Spirit of God? Uh, Jesus said, when I go off the scene, the Holy Spirit's coming onto the scene. And when the Holy Spirit comes onto the scene, his purpose, his role is to testify of me. Now, I want to challenge you with this. Therefore, if the Holy Spirit is in us, what is our role and responsibility then? To testify. Why? Because the Spirit of God now reside in us. Are you receiving the benefits of God by having a personal relationship with Christ now? Amen. To those of you that do not have a personal relationship with God, I want to challenge you this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen. Today's the day of salvation. <laughs> Today's the day to get saved. It's not tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we know today is the day of salvation, amen? We know that today, this moment, you have an opportunity. When is the rapture going to occur? We don't know. How close up are we to the tribulation? We don't know. I do know this. I trust my Savior that he's coming again, amen? And we can look to the scriptures and know this to be truth. Now, to those of you who don't have a personal relationship with Christ, you have the opportunity to do that. You can go to God and you can say, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner, and God, I believe Jesus Christ alone died for my sin. And Father, the best I know how, I want to trust Jesus Christ and him alone to take my soul to heaven when I die. We have a faithful Savior, amen? amen. He will save that soul from an eternal hell. Now, to benefit in salvation, you must be saved. You can't benefit from salvation if you're not saved. Now, let me share this with you. To those of you that have established a relationship, are you rejoicing in those benefits? We're going to talk about these benefits in just a moment. Are you rejoicing in the benefits that God gives to us? Are you rejoicing in the benefits that God has given to us as saved people? Christ wants to know you intimately. Listen, I share this with you. I, I know my wife intimately, but, you know, I need to know my Christ intimately. Amen? Amen. I need to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ to where I know him. And how do I know him? I know him through his word. Amen. I know who he is. How do I get a stronger relationship with my wife? I talk to her. I communicate with her. We spend time together. She shares things with me. I share things with her. We communicate with one another. Therefore, how do I have a stronger relationship with my Savior? I need to communicate with him. I need to be in his word. His word communicates back to my soul. Amen? When I read the Bible, it should have an effect on us. Amen? When I read the Bible, it should do something to me. It should cause me to start Start thinking about my relationship with my Savior. Is it where it needs to be? Am I close with God? Am I dealing with my sin the way that I ought to in my life? Am I, am I trusting God to help me overcome those sins in my life? Listen, there's so many wonderful passages in the Scripture that help us get past things. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you are saved, you can count on that. Amen? 
You can count on it. And so what I want to challenge you with this is this this morning. Christ wants to know you intimately so you can benefit from his righteousness, which he freely gives to us. Now, there are three ways in which you benefit. And I'm just looking at these five verses. There's a lot more ways you can benefit. I'm going to give you three today. How's that? Three ways you can benefit in your salvation. First of all, when you think about this, there's justification from sin. That's a benefit, isn't it? We're justified by ourselves? No, by our Christ. Yep. I'm justified by Christ Jesus. Second thing is this. this passage, these passages teach us I now have access to God. Before I was saved, I didn't have access to God. Before salvation, there is not that access. That access comes and the Holy Spirit works in a miraculous way as that soul turns from their sin nature and unto Christ Jesus. There's, there's something miraculous takes place there when that soul becomes submissive to God and then comes to that level, but we don't have access to God unless we're saved. <laughs> the last thing is this, overcoming hardships by the Holy Ghost. And God teaches us that there are hardships that enter into our lives, but God has strengthened us. I can do all things through who? Christ, which strengtheneth me. Christ gave us the Spirit of God, did he not? <laughs> What do we have as the power to overcome? We have our Savior. We have his word. We have the Holy Spirit, which has been given unto us. We have the necessities. We have the tools that we need to be overcomers and not to be overcome by our sin. Your salvation benefits you now because you're justified from sin. When you look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 5, he says, Therefore, uh, this is a word referring back to chapter 4 and verse 25, the accepted sacrifice of Christ by God on our behalf. The, the accepted sacrifice of God through Christ Jesus on our behalf. That's what he's telling us. What Christ did on the cross was for our behalf. On our behalf, he did that. Amen. Now, those of you that are saved, we've benefited from that already, amen? But if you're not saved, there is a benefit available to you. But you cannot partake of it unless you submit to Christ and say, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. The reason he rose again was for our justification, which is the action of declaring or making righteous in the sight of God. It's a law term. It's, a, it's used a, a, in an acquittal. It has the idea, a judgment that a person is, is not guilty of the crime which, with uh, which the person has been charged. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. What I am charged with, I no longer am charged with this because who died for me? Christ died for me. My sin has been covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's an acquittal. It's been taken care of. He's, he's done this for me. I'm justified in Christ Jesus. For the crime in which you've been charged in the eyes of God, found guilty, are now justified. Amen. Wow. Amen. What did he do for us? I will cover you with my blood. I will cover you with my blood. I'll cover your sin. And so Christ did that for you, for me. Now, you're declared righteous because of Christ. That justification, that righteousness is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not anything we can do. Churches, doctrines that teach that you have to do something uh, to, to uh, get to heaven other than trust Jesus Christ, that's a fallacy. If there's something I have to do in addition to what Christ has already done, then I myself cannot do anything righteous enough to be saved. There is none righteous, no, not what? One, we've got to trust in the righteousness of Christ. Christ is what carries the soul from sin and hell to heaven and eternal life. Amen? That's what does it. He's the conduit. He's the way that it happens. And while he saves us, he leaves us here, but gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life. Now, our sin nature is what keeps us separated from God. It's not what we do, but what we are that keeps us separated from God. You see, when Adam sinned, the whole world sinned in Adam. And, and, and it's hard for us to kind of wrap our mind around that. But if you go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, it tells us clearly, as by one man, sin entered into the world. I want you to know that word is not plural, it's singular. And he tells us in that passage, wherefore as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin... And that word death is that spiritual separation from God. And, by, uh, and he says, and, and, and death by sin. And so death or spiritual separation came upon all of us because of that. And you say, how did that happen, preacher? Uh, you can talk with the Lord, but I know it's true. Amen? Amen. 
I know God said so, and so therefore it is, and so mankind is born separated from God. What can reconcile that? What can bring that back into a right relationship? Christ Jesus. Our sin nature is what keeps us separated from God. It's not just what we do. We do what we do because we are sinners, amen? And, and listen, sinners will continue to do what they do. And you say, well, I hear us sing, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, amen? <laughs> I am a sinner saved by grace. That's what happened to me. It was by God's grace that I am now saved, amen? amen. And I am a sinner saved by grace. And when you go to 1 John 1, 9 and you look at it, it says now, and John is speaking to the church. He's speaking to, to folks that have trusted Christ. He says in that passage now, if we confess our sins, it's now plural. We have a nature that Christ covers, amen? But we still want our will to exceed God's will sometimes. What does that create? We were just talking about it in Sunday school. Anything that places itself above God is idolatry. So if my desire and my flesh want to do something that goes uh, contrary to Scripture, it's idolatry. It's my will is more superior than God's. And so what I want matters more than who God is. And so that leads us down that path. When you realize what Christ did on the cross for us, the Lord removes some things as it would be. He removes scales from our eyes. How many of you remember the song, I can see clearly now the rain is gone? Now you can lie and say, oh, oh you heathen you. <laughs> I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see clearly now that the scales are gone. Amen. Amen. Amen? I can see things differently than I did in the past. I know God changed some things in my life, and believe me, God, the Holy Spirit, is the change agent. Amen? And what happens is, once I get saved by what Christ did on the cross, God gives me a part of himself. He gives me the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible teaches me that we can grieve the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God which reside in us, we can grieve him. We can quench the Spirit of God in our lives. We can, and you have that idea of quench. It's to put it out, to stop it from burning. And it's not a loss of salvation. It's squelching what God wants to do in our lives as a saved individual. Now, as I share that with you, we don't want to squelch that. We don't want to do that. We want to be spirit-filled. Be not drunk with wine where's in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. People say, see, you can drink. That's not what it's talking about. It is simply talking about don't let anything control you. When, it, when you see someone drink alcohol, what is controlling them? And God talks about self-control. He talks about sobriety. He talks about not letting anything else control you. And that's really what that nails down to. And so he's saying, be not drunk with wine, where's an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let God the Holy Spirit control you. That's what he's saying. You don't get more of the Holy Spirit. There's no one in here who has more of the Holy Spirit than me, and I don't have any more than you have. We all have the same amount. What God's telling us is, is let me control let me take control. Give me that access that I can lead you and guide you and strengthen you. Turn to Romans 8, 31. The Lord reveals to you a truth, and this is a personal decision you make. And, and you have to make it now. You can't make it after you die. You don't get to make that decision. To receive that non-guilty verdict, you have to do that now. And Christ is our intercessor. And as our intercessor, this is a benefit. He intercedes on our behalf. I want to read this passage to you. It's the most exciting passage to help you kind of get to the place to understand. Uh, we, we are not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit resides in us. And how many men can be saved? All men can be saved. What walk of life, Pastor? No matter what their walk of life, amen? What about what they look like? What they look like doesn't hinder them from being saved. How many would have gone out to the madman of Gadarenas and witnessed to him? Very few people would have wanted to go to the madman of Gadarenas, but Jesus Christ went to him. And when Christ went to the madman of Gadarenas and he got saved, it says in those passages that that madman was now clothed and in his right mind and at the feet of whom? Jesus Christ. How many of you know Dr. Roy Thompson? He's gone home to be with the Lord. Anybody ever hear him preach? Dr. Roy Thompson, he was up at uh, Cleveland Baptist Church before Brother Folger. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
Anybody know the church up there? If you ever heard Dr. Roy Thompson's testimony, and I got to hear it, and they said he didn't do it much. I was at uh, Hope Children's Home in Florida, and Brother Thompson came down there to speak, and listen, he gave his testimony. If someone hadn't given Dr. Thompson a I wonder what would have happened. But someone came up to him that night and he talked about the fact that his teeth were missing and that he smelled and he had done some things and he was just stinking. His mom was a prostitute. His dad, he didn't know who he was. Just a horrible, horrible situation. And the pastor gave a message of salvation and said, you know, your background, who you are, all those things, it doesn't matter, folks. Jesus Christ saves to the uttermost. When that soul came forward and knelt down at that altar, someone decided to come over to him. And Brother Thompson's testimony was is that he shared with that individual, I stink, I smell. And he even told him he had pottied himself. And that man led him to Christ. Dr. Thompson was used greatly of God. Dr. Thompson would not take credit for it. He would give God the credit for it. And what I'm sharing with you is this. The background of the individual is not as important as the soul of the individual. What they need is Christ. If people are going to change, Christ is the agent. The Holy Spirit of God resides in them. They'll begin to change. Romans 8.31, everybody with me? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's for us, folks, who can be against us? <laughs> now, when I look at this, listen. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all, us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh what? Intercession for you and me. Christ is there for you. He is sitting on the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ is there for your behalf. He's there for you. God wants you to know that you have access to him. You're justified from your sin through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit resides in you, and you have access to God. Evangelist Hyman Appleman, a Russian-born Jew, he, a man... Uh, that was used of God in a great way in many evangelistic outreach uh, situations, but he was at a sword conference in Winona Lake, Indiana, in July of 1946. And Dr. Appleman's uh, message was on paralyzed people. And the idea was being paralyzed by our, our sin. Being paralyzed by our sin. Now, there are people who are paralyzed by their sin nature, and then there were people that were paralyzed by their sins, have saved people. They allowed that to dominate their life rather than allowing Christ to dominate their life. When he talked about this paralyzation by sin, he was covering a sinner paralyzed by discouragement. And he made the following point, whether a saint is rededicated his life or a sinner being saved, show them the love of Christ. And he said whether it's this soul that is unsaved or whether it's this soul that is saved and it's a rededication of themselves unto Christ... Show them the love of Christ. Show them that Christ still loves them. There are so many Christians that fall away, if you will, fall back into sin and walk away from God and walk away from truth and walk away from what God has for their lives and they can't seem to get past it because they're dwelling in what had happened and even though they want to change, they have not been taught, you can go to Christ Jesus and be forgiven. You can be an overcomer. You can overcome by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he said. If they do make a mistake, let them make it on the right side of the fence, on the side of confession and salvation rather than on the Satan's side. Amen? Let them, let them make it on salvation's side. Let them make it on the side that Christ is on and work with them. By having a personal relationship with Christ now, you receive the benefit of a not guilty verdict. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't matter what the person's past is. It doesn't matter what they're currently involved in. Amen? I went to a home when I was 
at Loudoun County, Virginia, and there was an apartment complex down there. And I had a, uh, another young man who had just recently gotten saved. David Kaiser was with me. And what we did was we were going around just knocking doors and trying to witness to people. And we knock on a door, and the door opened, and the person that came was dressed in black from head to toe. And they had black eyeliner on, and they had black nail polish. He had these things on. And he had black all over him and, and just piercings all over his body. And uh, he even had piercings in his leather jacket. And he invited me in. I have to tell you, I was like, uh, okay. I was glad David was with me, amen? When he opened the door and we went into the house, as we went into the house, there was wax melted all over the place. There were candles all over this stand where they had melted wax, and there were wax markings on the wall. Things were in cardboard boxes and just stacked to the hilt. And I remember sharing with this young man about Jesus Christ. He said, I can't listen to that. I said, what's the reason you can't? And he shared with me the reason he couldn't is because he was part of an organization called Wicca. And he said, I've been a part of things and I've done things and, and no one could love me that you're telling me it doesn't work that way. And I had my soul in the New Testament there and I shared the gospel with him. And I showed him that Jesus Christ could save him. That man, his wife, came out. A little boy came out. He looked like he was about maybe five years old. All dressed in black, long hair, black, black eyeliner on, black nail polish on. It was their child. I said, we'll just hold just a minute. And, and I shared the gospel with these folks and they trusted Christ as their savior. I told them where we were, the location of the church, wanted to invite them to church. And I was an usher at the time. And uh, this couple come walking into the church. And I walked up to them and I said, well, good morning. It's good to have you here this morning. I couldn't recognize them. I didn't know who they were. I'd never seen them before. And the guy said to me, you were at our place yesterday. You told me that Jesus died for me. And I prayed and asked him to save me. I, I'm serious. I probably went like this. No. No, that guy looked completely different than you did. And I want to tell you something. I didn't do that to him. Who did that to him? God did. Lord Jesus Christ did that. I couldn't do that. All I wanted to do was tell him that Jesus Christ died for him. Now, the, that couple got saved. Now, what I want to share with you is someone's background, who they are, the things they do, what they're involved in, is not as important as the soul that can be saved. And any soul can be saved. Amen? Any soul can be saved. By having a personal relationship with Christ, you now benefit from a not guilty verdict. And, you know, let us not be guilty of bringing conviction on another when we have no right to do so. Amen? Amen. Our role and responsibility is to share the gospel. <laughs> let Christ do his job. Let, let the Holy Spirit do his job. Let God work in a person's life. Give them opportunity. Love them. Let them seek the forgiveness of God on the right side of the fence, not on the wrong side of the fence. Let's work to win the loss to Christ. Those of you that have an established relationship with Christ and are rejoicing in the benefit of justification, listen, Christ did that for you. Amen? Amen. So are you benefiting from it? Amen. Are you benefiting from it? By Christ presenting you as not guilty, you now have an open line of communication with God. I want you to look at this verse. In verse 2, he says, By whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access by faith now. How do you have access to God? By your faith in Christ Jesus. That's how you have access. When we pray, we pray in Jesus' what? Name. Name. Why? Because that's how we have access to God. We have access through Jesus Christ. When we pray, we say, and we pray in Jesus' name. Why? Because that's our conduit. That's what gets us to, Christ, or that's what gets us to God. Uh, you have to look at this and see that there's a benefit that you have access to God. And, and by faith, you have access to him. Not in what you can see. And how many of you have prayed sometimes and you thought, I, I wonder what I'm doing sometimes? Have you ever been there? Amen. I know I'm the only sinner in the room today. So I've knelt down at times and I have prayed and 
And I felt like, what am I doing? And I, I just felt like I don't know, you know? And God tells me to come to him and come boldly before the throne of grace, doesn't he? God tells us that we have access to him. And, and, and what I'm sharing with you is all of us go through struggles. But as a saved individual, you have access to God. Amen. What a thought. You have access to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about this, that access, turn to Romans, uh, if you're already there, uh, turn to Romans uh, 8, 24 and 25. Romans 8, 24 and 25. The Bible says in verse 24 of chapter 8, for we are saved by hope, right? Now watch this. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we have patience, wait for it. Think about this for a moment. Faith is that old idea. We can't always see everything. You can't see the Holy Spirit in me. You don't see him in me. But I know on October 12, 1995, I got saved. Amen. I know for a fact that Christ saved my soul. I know that heaven is my home. I don't have any doubt about it. None whatsoever. You say, you mean to tell me you don't know? I do not doubt my salvation. I am saved. Heaven is my home. It's not something I'm jockeying to try to get there. I know Christ is my Savior. And the promise that he made for me, that he'll return and he'll come and get me. He's busy right now. He's interceding on our behalf. He's building mansions in heaven. He's at work and he wants us to be at work winning the loss to Christ. That's what he wants us to do. I don't have to doubt where I'm going to spend eternity. I'm going to spend an eternity with my Savior. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for? But if, he, if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. This access by faith, you have access to God if you have faith in Christ. Through your faith in Christ, you can rejoice. And with God, you can sometimes not see things, but know that God is active. <laughs> Amen? God is always at work, folks. The work never ceases. God's always busy. God's always doing something. Let me get you to think about these. In Ephesians 2.18, he said, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. <laughs> you see, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit resides in you. There's that desire, I would believe with all my heart, that you would have a desire to want to communicate with God. Amen. You would want to talk to him. You would have a spiritual desire to speak to the Heavenly Father. How does that happen? That's prayer. Yes, there are those times where I've knelt and I've tried to pray and I felt like I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to speak at this moment. I don't even know how I feel at this moment, if you will. I don't even know how to process what's going on or what's happening and I, I don't understand it. But I have a Heavenly Father who does. In Ephesians 3, 11 and 12, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith, by the faith of him, we have access to God. God is the one who comforts, amen? amen. He's the one who comforts. And by the comfort wherewith he comforteth us, we are to comfort one another. What comfort do I have? I can tell you my comfort is in Christ Jesus. Heaven is my home, amen? amen. I want to challenge you today. If you're not saved, listen, get saved. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Know for sure that if you die today, heaven is your home. As we look at this, the Lord tells us that we can stand or continue in this truth with all confidence in His Son, Jesus Christ. We're given this free, unmerited favor of God, passing from eternal separation from God in hell to eternal life in heaven. <laughs> what a wonderful, wonderful thought. We're transitioned out of hell into heaven through Christ Jesus. He's the one that accomplished that. He's the one that's done it. And we have access to God now. We're given free, unmerited favor. Let others know that they too can have salvation in Christ Jesus. Please don't be an individual that looks at someone on their exterior and says they can't be saved. Or even the actions of another person that they can't be saved. God can save to the uttermost. Amen? If he can save 
Zacchaeus. Amen? Amen. Publican, robbing people, stealing from them. He can save anybody. If he can save a prostitute at a well, he can save anybody, can he not? If he can can talk to Nicodemus in the night, (laughs) and I believe when we get to heaven, Nicodemus is going to be there. And when we look to the scriptures, if he can save a Pharisee, can he save to the uttermost? He can save a soul. Let us have blinders in a sense that I'm not looking at their exterior or the things they're doing. Try to see the soul that needs to be saved. People change when God enters into their life. He's the change agent. Let me share this with you. The hope that we have in Christ who loves us, loves them, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He's saying to us, the sin of man has been conquered by Jesus Christ. No matter what sin condition in the life of an individual, Christ died to set you free from sin. And so no matter what their sin, whatever's besetting them, listen, they can be saved. And then those that are not walking with God, listen, love them through Christ Jesus. And when you do, God can bring them back to where they need to be. He can restore them to the place that he needs them. But we have to show the love of Christ. We can't be kicking people when they're down. That's the opportunity that you have to lift them up. Listen, Christ reaches down into the fire and pulls them out, pulling them out. He's saying to you and to me, as a saved individual, the Holy Spirit resides in us. Listen, the sin nature of people, the way they're behaving and the things they're doing. Listen, when he was hanging on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't even know what they're doing. And so we ought to have a spirit of, let's reach out to that individual and lead him to Christ. A sinner cannot be set free from the sin unless Christ complete the work. Amen? You cannot be set free. And those of us that are saved... We cannot repent unless we go to Christ Jesus. We have to turn to him to repent of our sin. And so to be able to do that, you must turn to him. Listen, the unsaved person must, return, must repent and turn unto Christ to get out of that sin nature. Once we're saved and sins enter into our lives, the best thing that we can do is confess those sins. Why? Because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He can take care of that and he can cleanse us in that situation. We have access to God. God says, listen, through my son, this is the avenue that you take even to ask for forgiveness of sins. He's the one to take care of it. This is possible for you today because Christ is our access to God. Jesus Christ Open that line of communication. Have you ever wondered why we pray in Jesus' name? (laughs) Why do we do that? Because that's our access. That's our line of communication. The one who created the universe, the stars in the sky, the earth, the land, the sea, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, the one that created you, the one that created me. Think about this for a moment. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to communicate with him. The one who made all, he wants you to have a line of communication with him. What a wonderful Savior. He wants to communicate with you. What's on your heart today? What's on your mind today? What's burdening you? What load are you carrying that God never intended for you to carry today? What are you willing to give over to him? Are you willing to yoke yourself up with Jesus Christ? Right? Think about the fact of what he's capable of doing in your personal life. What Christ can accomplish in your life. Listen, Jesus is there for you. And he's interceding on your behalf in heaven. Sure, God could have put everything in rotation and set it on its own, but his desire is to know you. When I think about this, by having a personal relationship with Christ, you now have access to your heavenly Father. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. How many cares did he tell you to cast upon him? All. Everything you're going through, casting all of your care upon him. That idea of casting is to pitch it over, throw it over, give it over to him. The idea is is get it off your back and give it to Christ. Amen? Don't carry this around. It's not meant for you. And so he says, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. How many of you that are saved this morning believe that? He really cares about you. 
And what we have to do as believers is realize who Christ is and what he's capable of. And what is he capable of? Taking all of my cares. He can lift that burden. Christ wants to know you intimately so you can benefit from communication with God through prayer. And the last benefit I want to talk about this morning, our not guilty verdict also provides us the Spirit of God to defeat difficulties at times if we'll turn to God. When I look at this, he says here in verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also in chapter 5, verse 3, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience is experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. <laughs> what did God give unto us? He gave us the Holy Ghost. And the love of God is shed abroad where? In our hearts. By what? The Holy Ghost. God says, I've given this unto you. Your salvation benefits you now and helps you overcome hardships by the Holy Ghost. As we've seen in these few verses, there's complications, there's troubles, there's hardships that enter into our lives, folks. Every one of us. I'm not exempt from it, by the way, just because I'm standing up here. I'm not exempt from hardships and heartaches. But the fact is, is we all face them. Amen? We all face hardships and heartaches. But when I read this passage and he said, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And he gave us a, 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 a list here. He said, We glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. <laughs> We should not be ashamed that we need Christ's help. We should not be ashamed that we have to turn to our God. We should not be ashamed that we're saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There should be no shame in us that I can't rely on myself, that I have to rely on my Savior. There should be no shame in my heart whatsoever that I have no power but power that is given unto me by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I don't have it. I don't, I don't possess it. God does, and God gives it. And, and there's nothing wrong. There is no weakness in a man, a woman, or a child realizing that God is the one that has the strength and the power to overcome. And we need to turn to Him. When I look at this, facing hardships alone can bring on some very difficult times. And there are times when you feel so alone, even despair, but God never desired for this to be so. That is why you need Christ personally. God doesn't want you going through it alone at all. I first went to uh, Colonial Beach, to Westmoreland, well, it was Bayview Baptist Church at the time. And, and I remember, I, I couldn't get anybody to go soul winning with me. No one would go knock doors, and we're supposed to go how? Two and two, right? I was so nervous about going out. And so I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> as I was walking, and you've heard me sing this morning, you know what the capability is there. And I would walk along, and I would sing, no, never alone, no, never alone. Hi, I'm Pastor Warnick from Bayview Baptist Church. I'd like to invite you to church and hand them a track. No, never alone, no, never alone. And go to the next door. I thought, okay, if I'm going to go two and two, he's going with me right now because I can't go by myself. And it's a scary thing to walk on a knock on a stranger's door, is it not? It's an uncomfortable feeling sometimes. But God wants us to win the loss to Christ. When I think about this, when you trust Christ, it's not just about going to heaven when you die, but it's about working now in the ministry, helping now, doing things now in this life. As I think about this and consider this, the day you trust Christ, you receive the benefit of the Holy Ghost. This is by faith. You cannot see Him, but the Lord provides you with that comforter. Amen? He provides you with it. I know. I, I, I know where I was. I know what happened. I know that night so well. And I'm not saying everybody has that, that kind of experience in their salvation. I'm just telling you, it was so impactful to me that I did not forget God saving my soul that night. I just didn't. And, and when I walked out of there, I had a boatload of problems when I left, but I felt like I had none. And whenever that happened, and I remember the zeal and the excitement in my heart, and I'm thinking, yeah, we can, we can conquer all this. About a week later, I was in the pastor's office still crying. And he said, we can get past this. Let me show you now. And he began to teach me the scriptures. He began to show me how Christ is there for me. I was so dependent on him at one time that I was dependent on my pastor. My pastor said, your dependency doesn't need to be on me. It needs to be on Christ Jesus. 
And he said, I want you to understand Christ is there for you. And he began to teach me about this Holy Spirit that now resided in me. And he began to teach me what the scriptures say. And he began to tell me what the Bible says. And he began to preach the word of God to me. And all of those things began to happen. And that all culminated into, you can trust Christ. Confidence. He can help you through it. I was with, uh, Brother Williams was a soul winning partner of mine when I was at Loudoun. And uh, my uncle Wesley died. My dad called me, and he wanted me to come and preach the funeral. And um, and I, I I didn't have the money. I didn't I didn't want to say to my dad no. I, I rarely ever told my dad no, by the way. <laughs> and still to this day, I don't. But I remember going, and I told Anita what had to happen, and we weren't making much money. And, and, and I went upstairs and I prayed and I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, I already told my dad yes. He said, why didn't you ask him first before you told your dad yes? I just told you. I don't tell my dad no. So I said, yes, dad, I'll do it. And I went upstairs and I prayed. Brother Williams, my soul winning partner. <clears throat> I came into church that night. And when I came into church that night, Brother Williams meets me at the door. He goes, man, I'm looking forward to going out tomorrow night. How about you, brother? I said, well, my dad called. My uncle died. He wants me to come in. Preached the funeral. He goes, and he pulled out his credit card, and he said, here, take this. Whatever you need, the Lord just laid on my heart, just give this to you. He said, you need fuel, you need gas, you need to feed your family, just go ahead and do it. I said, brother, he goes, oh, don't you dare rob me of a blessing. And he shut me up. Now, I used it sparingly. I had to have it for gas. There was no way I was going to get there. I went up to my uncle's funeral, and listen, my uncle was a reprobate, folks. He was a drunk. He took his own life. I thought, what in the world am I going to preach? What am I going to say? He, he did drugs. He, he drank, and, and he took his own life with a shotgun. And I, I'm saying to myself, what do you preach at a funeral like that? And I, I, you know, I went alone. I got alone with God, and I thought... I can't do anything for him. But I can preach Jesus Christ to the crowd. I can tell him that he saves to the uttermost. And so my whole thrust was what Christ can do for them. And so I share with you is if you have this, this situation arising in your life and you don't know what to do with it, go to God, ask for wisdom. God the Holy Spirit will provide you what you need. Turn to God. And listen, sometimes, even in our darkest times, we don't want to turn to God. And you consider, when you look at Jonah's life, and what happened to Jonah? It said when he was at the bottom of the sea, and the weeds were wrapped about his head. Death was almost upon Jonah, wasn't it? And the Bible says this, then he remembered the Lord. <laughs> and sometimes we have to get to that place in our life where God has to use that to try to even get our attention. And what he's saying is, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you. You have access to God. You're justified through Christ Jesus. He's interceding on your behalf. He's there for you. He can do these things for you. And John 14, 6 and 7, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Amen? We have something in us that the world doesn't have, that the lost don't have. And I'm not putting them down. I'm saying we want them to have it. And to get that to them, we have to give the message of Jesus Christ. We have to tell them what Christ is capable of. John 16, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's overcome it. So... What do we turn to in our times of trials, in our times of trouble, in our times of tribulation, in our hardships, in our heartaches? Where do you go with those things? As a saved individual, you have access to God by the power of the Holy Spirit which reside in you. Jesus Christ died for your sin and has given you that access. We're justified. The reason we have troubles, sin entered into the world, but all of these work to our benefit. <laughs> You say troubles work to our benefit? Yes, they do. Trials, tribulations, heartaches, hardships, they work to our benefit. Preacher, you're nuts. 
Okay, let's be nuts together. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians, okay? <laughs> turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 14. Verse 14 says, knowing that, uh, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus Christ, or Jesus, shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed, how, folks? Day by day. Now look at verse 17. This is tough. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. eternal. Sometimes I can't see what God's doing. <laughs> He's at work. I, I don't doubt him. Do you doubt him? God's at work. And, and there are things that I cannot see, and sometimes even those afflictions come into my own personal life. I can't see what God's doing. But I know he's doing something. I thought about this, uh, Brother Chris, yesterday. You know, Grandma went home to be with the Lord. Mom went home to be with the Lord. But two souls came to Christ yesterday. I couldn't see that. I don't know that. What does God want to do in those people's lives? I don't know, but he used the testimony of one of his saints. Amen? And in death, life, right? And so we look at that and we say, what did God do? What did God do yesterday? God's in the soul winning business, amen? amen? When I look at this, sometimes there's light afflictions is the way God sees it. It's not heavy. It's light. It's but for a moment. It's not going to last forever. Hell lasts forever. There's no coming back. Eternity in heaven lasts forever. Amen? Amen? Let's be on the right side of the fence. Let's be on the right side of the fence. When you go out and you meet with the unsaved or even the saved, let's not kick them. Let's win them. Let's love them through Christ. Let's reach them with the gospel. Romans 8, 26 and 27, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. <laughs> God knows what we need. Amen? He knows exactly what we need. You're not alone in this world. If you're saved today, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And you, my friends, have access to God. You're justified through Christ Jesus, and the Holy Spirit resides in you, and God has given his power unto you to be an overcomer. The benefits of salvation is amazing, isn't it? Yes. 